Second Samuel in the Old Testament, Second Samuel chapter sixteen. Second Samuel sixteen verse five, and a second last sermon on interpersonal problems, and tonight criticism, and the last one be will be on kleptomania, which is just a big word for stealing. <laughs> Let's pray. Gracious Father in heaven, oh, I wish that, that my love for you was great, Lord. But I'm ashamed for how little I love you and how small my love is compared to the magnificent, marvelous, matchless love of Jesus Christ the wonderful love of God our Father, and the love of the Spirit of God. We pray that you would fill our hearts with this love, and that it may overflow from us back to you and to our neighbors, to fellow believers, and even to our enemies. In Jesus' name, Amen. John Wesley lived in the 1700s in England and there was a lady who was known for her, criti for her critical spirit, always criticizing people. <coughs> and one day as John Wesley was preaching, this lady was present with her critical eye and her critical spirit. And after the sermon, she came up to Mr. Wesley and said, I am offended. And he said, why? Why is that? She said, your tie is too long. And he said, does someone here have a pair of scissors? And one lady took out a pair of scissors. And so John Wesley cut off his own tie. And he said, are you satisfied now? She said, no, it's still too long. It offends me. And he gave her the pair of scissors. He says, well, cut it to size where it won't offend you anymore. And she cut it off right under his collar. He said, are you happy now? And she said, yes. And he said, well, lady, I want to say something to you. Your tongue offends me. It's too long. Please, will you stick it out so I can cut it off? <laughs> now, certainly that, that's not, maybe that, therapy, that kind of therapy will work with some people, but it's definitely not the best kind of way or the best way to deal with critical people or with criticism. So what is the best way? Well, we find it in this passage. And I'm actually so sorry that I chose this passage. I think that the Lord showed me this afternoon about an hour, an hour and a half before the sermon. There might have been a better passage, but let's read it. 2 Samuel 16 verse 5. When King David came to Bahurim, there came out a man of the family of the house of Saul whose name was Shimei, the son of Gera. And he came, and he, as he came, he cursed continually. And he threw stones at David and at all the servants of the king, or King David, and all the people and all the mighty men were, who were on his right hand and on his left. And Shimei said as he cursed, Get out! Get out, you man of blood! You worthless man! The Lord has avenged on you all the blood of the house of Saul in whose place you have reigned. And the Lord has given the kingdom into the hand of your son Absalom. See, your evil is on you, for you are a man of blood. 
Then Abishai, the son of Zeruah, said to the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over and take off his head. But the king said, What have I to do with you, you sons of Zeruah? If he's cursing because the Lord has said to him, Curse David, who then shall say, Why have you done so? And David said to Abishai and to all his servants, Behold, my own son seeks my life. How much more now may this Benjaminite leave him alone, let him curse, for the Lord has told him to. It may be that the Lord will look on the wrong done to me, <clears throat> and that the Lord will repay me with, the, with good for his cursing today. So David and his men went on the road, while Shimei went along on the hillside opposite him, and cursed as he went, and threw stones at him, and flung dust. And the king and all the people who were with him arrived weary at the Jordan. And there he refreshed himself. So, we're going to look at five commands this evening if you want to deal with criticism. People criticizing you. The first one is expect it. And that's in verse 5. So, um, let's say for instance a man called Richard. And Richard finds a baby lion somewhere. And he raises this lion and he, he makes the lion. This lion is now a tame lion. But one day... The lion turns on him and attacks him and kills him. Now, he should have expected that because a lion is a wild animal. And it's in a lion's nature to kill. And in the, exactly the same way you should expect you're in a sinful world, world people are going to criticize you. And you're going to criticize other people too. It's part of a sinful world and people with a sinful so this is exactly what happens here. Here's David uh, running away from his son Absalom. Absalom has risen in rebellion. He's got a lot of supporters and he wants to overthrow the kingdom. And he wants to place himself on the throne and kill his dad. So David has to rush, get all his followers and they run away. They flee because Absalom is coming. And on the way, as he comes to a place called Bahurim, Here's a man of the family of Saul called Shimei. And Shimei comes out and he curses David, says verse 5. Now if King David, who is the king, if he's criticized, certainly you and I will be criticized too. If Moses, who was the meekest man on earth, the gentlest man on earth, says Numbers chapter 12, if he was criticized by his own brother and sister, certainly you and I will be criticized. If... The perfect and sinless Son of God was criticized. Certainly you and I will be criticized. Jesus, just five days before his death, as he came on a donkey into, riding into Jerusalem, the crowds cried out, Hosanna, which means save us now. Oh, here's the King, the Son of David. And they praise him. And five days later, the same crowd cries out, crucify him, crucify him. Jesus said, if they called the master of the house Beelzebul, which is another, another name for Satan, if they call the master of the house Beelzebul, what will they say to, of his followers? Certainly they will criticize us too. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 4 verse 14, you should expect criticism, especially if you're a Christian. Expect criticism. So because that is so and people are going to criticize you, whose praise do you want? Often we want the praise of men. But it's worthless and it's empty because the same people who praise you will criticize you. 
So why not rather seek the approval of God and the praise of God? Jesus warned us, Woe to you, pasop, vieyo, vak. Woe to you if all men speak well of you. Luke 6 verse 46. For so their fathers did with the false prophets. Second command, weigh it up. Weigh it in the balance, the criticism. So someone criticizes you, weigh it up. Verse 5 to 8 and also verse 13. So we need to answer a, a couple of questions here. Who is the person criticizing you? I remember a man who attended our church probably about five times, many years ago, 20, 2014, I think. So he attended our church about five times, and then he wrote me a nasty email. First he praised me. Oh, wonderful, wonderful, you've changed my life. And then he wrote me an email a few weeks later calling me a false teacher and he's going to spread it everywhere on social media so people will know I am a false teacher. Now, what, what should I do about criticism of the kind? Criticism of that kind, a guy who doesn't know you, he doesn't know you from a bar of soap, really, he doesn't know anything about your life. Actually, I shouldn't really be bothered much about that kind of thing. And Shimei is the same kind. Shimei is of the same kind. Here's King David. Here comes Shimei. Who's Shimei, the son of Gera? Who knows? It's just this Benjaminite who's part of the family of Saul and he criticizes David. He doesn't really know David because you see from the facts, from the things he says, he doesn't know the facts. He doesn't know the first thing about the facts. And we know that this man does not fear God. Because in Exodus chapter 22 verse 28 it says you shall not curse a ruler of your people. So he doesn't care about God's command. He, he curses the king. And it says at the end of verse 5 he cursed continually. And this anger uh, in, verse, in verse 13 he kept on cursing all the way going along the hillside throwing stones at David and flinging dust. So this is an unsaved man and his anger makes him irrational. He's not thinking straight. Do you know how I know that? Just look at verse 6. What an idiot would do that. In verse 6 you see, here's David. He's got soldiers with him. They've got swords. They've got bow and arrows. They've got spears. And David's mighty men, these are the Rakis. These are the Navy SEALs, the US Marines. This is the French Foreign Legion. You don't mess with these guys. But this guy is throwing stones at them. What a moron. <laughs> That's, that really happens. If you get so angry, you don't think straight. So I do think it would help for you if someone criticized you to this extent with such anger and venom and they keep on and they keep on and they keep on. Treat them like someone who is senile. Treat them like someone who's been anesthetized. He's under narcosa. He's been... He's, he's, under operation, he's being operated, and when that person wakes up and his system is full of, full of this narcotic, what does he do? He sees squirrels running up the walls, and he sees flowers on your face, and all kinds of funny stuff. You don't take them seriously. I, I think I shared with you an example like this uh, not too long ago. I visited someone in hospital, and they were under sedatives, all this medicine in their system, and the, doc, the patient said to the doctor, you're just as ugly as your surname. Now, what should that doctor do? Should he go home and cry with, at his wife? The patient criticized me. No, that doctor doesn't take it seriously. He knows the person's system is full of medicine. And so the same thing. If someone's so angry as, she, as angry as Shimei 
flinging dust and cursing and there's poison coming out of their mouth, shouldn't actually take it seriously uh, in, in one sense. And then also remember, also remember this person is under the power of the devil. This person is blinded by the devil. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4 says, Satan blinds unbelievers. So pray for the person's salvation. Now if the critic, the person criticizing you, if the critic is a committed Christian, ooh, now you need to take it seriously. Now you shouldn't just say, I couldn't care less about your criticism. Uh, Psalm 141, David says in verse 5, about people criticizing, <clears throat> and he writes these words, Let a righteous man strike me, it is a kindness. Let him rebuke me, it is oil for my head. Let me not refuse it. You remember when, when Paul criticized Peter in Galatians chapter 2 for being a hypocrite, and he criticized him in front of a group. Peter took that seriously, because later on Peter wrote, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, he calls Paul a faithful brother. And people should take seriously what Paul says. So Peter took it to heart, and we should also, if a believer criticizes you, especially if it's a committed Christian. Uh, another question, the critic, the person criticizing you, does he know you well? Does she know you well? And do they usually support you? Then you should take it to heart. I remember an uncle in this church, Um Andris. He even looked strict. Eh? You could just meet him. <laughs> but that Um, he supported me 99 times out of 100. So when he criticized me, I didn't feel in the least offended. Because I, I knew he's, he always supports me. So do the same kind of thing. Listen to the criticism and ask yourself, what can I learn from this criticism? Proverbs chapter 15, verse 31. I want to read that to you. Proverbs 15, verse 31 and 32. Solomon says, <clears throat> The ear that listens to life-giving reproof, reproof means, Iman the ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Whoever ignores instruction despises himself. Whoever listens to reproof gains intelligence. What can you learn from the critic and from the criticism? Martin Holt, whom I look up to and I learned a lot from him. Martin Holt once criticized a pastor from Zambia. The, the Zambian pastor was an excellent preacher and was a friend of his, much younger than him, but was a, is a very good preacher. And when the the Zambian came to South Africa again and he preached at different churches and perhaps at a conference, I'm not sure. Martin Holt wrote him a letter when he went back to Zambia and said, My brother, your preaching has always been powerful. We've seen that the Spirit of God works under your preaching, but this time something was different. Your preaching is not the same. And some people have complained or uh, expressed concern about that. And even at times it seemed that you come across as arrogant. And the pastor took it to heart, and he changed. Because he knew, this man always supports me. This man is a committed Christian. And this man knows me well. Is the critic your only enemy? What I mean by that, the person criticizing you, is that the only person doing that? Well, maybe. Maybe. 
Maybe no one else is criticizing you about the issue. It's only this guy. The same Martin Holt tells us a story like this. He said in his church there was this guy complaining about everything and always complaining. It irritates me when you quote so many Bible passages in your sermon. It is irreverent and it is unnecessary. And so this guy would always criticize, criticize, criticize. And then a visiting preacher came to Martin Holt's church. And after the sermon, this man came to the preacher. And he said, please will you talk to our pastor? It's irritating when he quotes Bible passages in his sermon, all these Bible passages. And the visiting preacher said, does anyone else in the church feel like that? And the man said, no. And then he said, well, shut up. Wow, that's a bit strong. (laughs) Tit for tat. So if, if there's only one person criticizing you and no one else feels that way, then don't let it consume you. I have the tendency to let things consume me. So it, it really it takes over my mind and my thoughts because someone criticizes me. What about the people who don't feel that way? What about all the, the friends and the joy you have with fellow, uh, fellow believers? And why, why I draw this application is because Shimei, in verse 5, it says, he curses continually, but it says, when David came to Bahurim. Now, Shimei is from Bahurim, but if you go and trace that, that town, you'll find it in 2 Samuel 17. And there were some people from Bahurim who supported David. And then you'll go to 2 Samuel 23, and you'll see David's mighty men, some of his soldiers, one of them was from Bahurim. So David had supporters from there. Here's this one guy who's against David, one guy from that town. My wife has helped me like that more than once. So when there's a difficult church member or a difficult person and they just, and they're making life difficult and they, uh, let's say, continue in sin or disobedience, then my wife tells me, stop allowing that thing to take over your life. There are 80 people in this church who want to learn the Word. They want to grow. So why be consumed with one person who's making life difficult and dwarstrak? And then also remember, the critic might have some problems or hurt in his or her life. And they're taking it out on you. Yes, they're taking it out on the wrong person, perhaps. But don't take it personally. Rather pray for the person. Another question in the same, under the same point. Um, what, is the, what is the person saying to you? So when they're criticizing, what is the person saying? Abraham Lincoln, the President of the United States, many years ago. So Abraham Lincoln... He was under heavy criticism from a number of people... And one day a friend said to him, doesn't this bother you? All these people criticizing you. And Abraham Lincoln said, you know, dogs howl at the moon. But the moon keeps on shining. And Shimei is just another one of these dogs howling at the moon. He doesn't even know the facts. He hasn't got the facts. He tells David, you man of blood, God is paying you back for all the blood you shed in the house of Saul. What blood did David shed in the house of Saul? It was the other way around. Saul wanted to kill David. David had to flee for his life for a number of months, or probably even a number of years. Shimei doesn't know the facts. He doesn't know that David spared Saul's life. David had the opportunity twice to kill Saul, and he didn't. 
David defended Saul. Even when Saul died and someone said, Your Majesty, I killed your enemy. And it was a lie. The guy just wanted a reward. And David killed the man. He gave him the death penalty. David wept when he heard that Saul had died. David forgave Saul. Shema is bitter. Shema is jealous because David has become the king in the place of Saul. So that's the real issue here. That's why he's bringing out all these things. And as, you, as we saw in verse, verse 5, his family is of the family of Saul. So what, you sh what should your and my response be when, when people come with accusations like this? They don't have the facts. False accusations. What should you do? Well, I think the best would be not to respond at all. A professor of mine did that. When I was at seminary, people had written false things about him in the report, in the Sunday newspaper. And he said, I, I'm not even going to respond. Because he just, that just starts an argument and people think you're defending yourself because these things are true. Doesn't Proverbs 26 verse 4 say, Do not answer a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him. And I know there's a verse 5, I'm going to come to that now. So don't answer the person. Uh, do again, another example from the life of Martin Holt, do again what Martin Holt did in a situation where he was heavily criticized, so bad that he could, a, a, a lawyer said to him, you can take that man to the cleaners. And, and he didn't do it. Um, what he did was Psalm 37. He said the Lord spoke to him from this verse, Psalm 37 Verse 5 and 6. David again. Commit your way to the Lord. So give it to the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. God will defend you. So leave it to the Lord to defend you. And in Afrikaans it ons ding wat ons do it. So people bringing false accusations, you just keep on living the Christian life until people see what others have said that is false. Uh, Proverbs chapter 20, Spreker. Proverbs 20 verse 22. Again, Solomon gives us advice here. And he says, do not say, I will repay evil. Wait for the Lord. He will deliver you. The Lord will, will, will bring the situation to a calm. Um, you know, when you keep silent, when people bring false accusations or criticism, when you keep silent, it's like, it's like taking the wind out of the, the critic's sails. Now, he hasn't got anything more to say. He... It's like he wants to fight, but he's kicking a dead dog. That doesn't bring any satisfaction. And it, it's like the criticism, it loses its punch if you don't answer the person. It's actually his criticism now becomes empty tins being pulled behind a just married car on the tar road. <laughs> it's just a noise. So don't go around and try to find out what people are saying of you. Don't go on Facebook and say, I wonder what people are saying about me. That's, that's going to do one of three things. Either you'll become proud if it's good things they're saying about you, or you'll become angry if it's lies they're telling about you, or you'll become discouraged and depressed if uh, you see negative things that people say about you. So it doesn't, doesn't help to try and go fishing and to figure out what people are saying. The best thing is to ignore it. Um, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 16 it says that a, a prudent man ignores an insult. You don't even pay attention to it. Uh, Ecclesiastes, Prediker, Ecclesiastes 7 verse 21. Again, same thing. Ignore it when you hear an insult. Ignore it 
when you hear people cursing. Otherwise, you're going to hear your servant cursing you. And you won't sleep at night. <laughs> let it be like water off a duck's back. Let it, let it be like an elephant. You know, here's this termite. And he's walking past a termite. And the termite curses him and shouts at him. And you know, the elephant's not going to do anything about it. Just ignore the termite. And then accept the criticism. If your conscience is bothering you. So if someone has criticized you and your conscience is bothering you and you know you have disobeyed God's word, then you must accept the criticism and change. Then you must confess your sin to the Lord and if people are involved, confess your sins to the people involved. But in general, if your conscience doesn't bother you and you haven't disobeyed God's word, ignore, ignore. Kapama ignore. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Paul did that in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul said, you Corinthians, you're criticizing me. I'm not aware of anything against me. My conscience doesn't bother me. I don't even judge myself. The Lord will judge me. So I don't care if you or any human court judges me. My conscience is clear. The only time that you really have to respond to a foolish critic is if what they are saying is damaging to the truth, is damaging to God's cause, then you have to speak up. Proverbs 26 verse 5, I said verse 4 just now, don't answer a fool according to his folly, then verse 5, do answer him, lest he be wise in his own eyes. So there are times where you have to answer him. I'll give you an example. So there was a guy in Pretoria, he went from church to church, a young man, causing division. He would come to the church, sit under the preaching, and you think this is a new visitor. And very soon he would have a group of friends invite people in the church for a bribe, and then he would start criticizing the pastor. And then he would start breaking down the pastor and contradicting everything that is preached. And so he would go from church to church to cause division. Now in a case like that, you can't say don't answer the critic. You must answer the critic. You must rebuke the critic publicly. And warn the people against someone like that. And then also it's important to search your heart. Search your own heart. So Shimei, we've seen, he misses the point completely. It's not true that David has killed family members from, of Saul's house. David hasn't done that. But what is true? Shimei said, yes, God is repaying you, and now your son Absalom is going to become king. But this was true in chapter 12. Remember when David committed adultery and murder? It said, the prophet came to David, the prophet Nathan, and he said to David in 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel 12, verse 11, thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against you out of your own house. Oh, okay. So David knows this. And so he knows, Shimei, you've got the facts wrong. But it is true that God is disciplining me. It is true. And so maybe the critic comes to you and is criticizing you or she's criticizing you about a whole bunch of nonsense, saying things that aren't true. But ask yourself the question. Maybe he or she has picked the wrong stuff. But could he have picked some things to say and it would have been true? Some sins? Hmm. It's like that story of William Booth. 
Uh, Joel Beakey is a preacher in the United States. And he says, one day, all the people in his town, he was a new pastor, he was new to the town, he's a new pastor, and all the other pastors are criticizing him, and they spread stories and told lies, lies about him. And he's really depressed, discouraged, and he's walking up and down in his study, praying, and he says, Lord, it's all lies. All lies these people have told about me. It's things they've said, it's not true. And so as he's walking and praying, he takes a book off the shelf, a book by William Booth, the man who founded the Salvation Army. And he opens it randomly, and it says, all lies, all lies, it was written in the book. It's all lies they've told about you. He thought, that's exactly my case. And it said, but the things they said about you aren't half as bad as you really are. <laughs> yeah. So the critic could have said some things and it would have been true. It would have been true. So, so see the criticism. The criticism comes and it's not true. But see it as an opportunity to repent of sins that are true. Things that are real in your life. I had a case like that last year. Where I was quite heavily criticized. I was discouraged. I don't know the person who criticized me. And there wasn't even a name. So it was an email I received. Uh, and it was a criticism about my book on Revelation that would have been published in September last year. And the whole process was going fine. And then the, one of the final steps in publishing is there's a, 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 a reader, who crit, he's, a, he's a critic, a book critic. And so he wrote a very bad criticism of my book. And he said, but it was all false. It was false theology. Uh, like the, the guy said, how can I say there's no such thing as gay Christians? There are many homosexuals who are Christians. You know, that kind of stuff. Um, and some other false teachings that he held to. So his theology was haywire. And I just thought this is nonsense the guy is talking. But it was this kind of thing. There were, were, were some things that he said, and it was true. Uh, things like that I don't show much love in my preaching. Because those were actually sermons that I put in a book. And I had to confess that to the Lord. Third command. Don't respond quickly. Verse 9 and 10a. You know there's a saying in Afrikaans. Those of you who are English. And it basically says. A dog who's in a hurry will burn his mouth. So you put the bowl of food in front of the dog and he's a, he's a guts and then he papas the varam. That's what, what uh, Abishai is like. So Abishai, he's David's nephew. Nephew is not nephi in Afrikaans. Uh, so, so David's sister, her son Abishai, he's a very good soldier. He's a brave soldier. This is a strong man, and we know he's one of David's mighty men in 2 Samuel 23. And he's also a murderer. He has murdered someone before in, in this very book, 2 Samuel chapter 3, verse 30. He helped his brother murder someone. And now, and now he's in, inciting David. He hits David on, saying, let me take him out. I'll take him out, your majesty. Just one blow to the head. Because, you know, as one commentator said, Abishai has observed that people without heads don't curse. <laughs> so he wants to take off his head. And so he's inciting David to do this. And David rebukes him. He says, what have I to do you, you, with you, you sons of Zeruah? 
What have I to do with you? In verse 10a. And then David later on, he forgives Shimei. Shimei's, when David now, Absalom is dead and, and David's coming back to Jerusalem as king. And then Shimei, I'm sorry, your majesty. <laughs> you know that other day when I said all that stuff to you, uh, man, that, that wasn't good. And I don't know what I was thinking. I just had a bad day. And so all that kind of thing, he comes to David and David forgives him. And David says, you won't die. But you know what happened, eh? David changed his mind. So when Solomon became king, David said to Solomon, I told him I won't kill him. You take care of it. And Solomon killed him. Solomon killed Shimei in 2 Kings chapter 2. We do that easily, don't we? We say we forgive the critic, and then someone just has to come and say, I wouldn't let him talk to me like that. Why did you allow that? Why do you just say I forgive you and leave the thing? You need to stand up for yourself. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean people have to walk over you. And then you start thinking, oh, yeah, that's right. And then you think of getting the person back and saying, speaking your mind. So I would suggest that if you do share the criticism with someone, someone has now come and criticized you, if you do share it with someone to ask for counsel, go to a mature Christian, a mature believer, and don't tell them the name. Because otherwise they're not going to be objective. Yeah, yeah of course I take your side. Uh, so don't say the name. Share the criticism and say, listen, this is what happened. What should I say? What should I do? And then pray before you respond. Because often, think about it and say to the critic, give me two days to pray about it. I'll get back to you. Um, but please, would you just give me some time? That's a biblical principle to think before you speak. Slow to anger or quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, says James 1. And then also to forgive, to forgive as Jesus forgave. How did Jesus forgive us? He said, I will remember their sins no more. And so not to bring it up again and again. I know there should be repentance from the critic, and sometimes the critics don't repent. But to give it to the Lord and leave it in the Lord's hands, and then do what, what Romans 12 tells you. Leave it to the wrath of God. Let the Lord avenge. Let the Lord take vengeance. You don't need to deal with a person. The Lord will deal with a person. And he has promised to do that. And just think of that. Just think of that. If it's a critic like Shimei, that person will go to hell because it's an evil person. Will you rejoice at that? Of course not. Should we not pity the person and pray for the person and even do good to your enemy? If he's hungry, give him something to eat. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You know, Paul did that. Paul did that. There was a man called Sosthenes, Sosthenes, in Acts chapter 18. And Sosthenes was a persecutor of Paul. He wanted to get Paul in trouble. And Sosthenes, in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 1, from Paul, the apostle and so on, and Sosthenes, our brother. Sosthenes became a fellow worker of Paul. He got saved. Second last, number four, see God's hand. And that's in verse 10b to 12. Just two weeks ago, I read on Facebook a woman making a comment on my sister's Facebook, a woman commenting saying that God never lets bad things happen to Christians. 
God won't ever allow something bad to... He doesn't allow bad things to happen to Christians. He just wants you to be healthy and be rich, you know, prosperity gospel kind of stuff. And uh, she, she quoted John 10 verse 10 to support her, her statement that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus says, I've come to bring life and life abundantly. And abundantly in her mind was money. Money and health. Well, not so. Not so. David knew that. David knew. David knew God doesn't sin. David knew God doesn't tempt people, tempt believers. But David also knew that the devil is not sovereign. The devil is not in control of things. The devil is not Lord. The devil needs permission before he can do something, like in the book of Job. Thus far you may go with my servant Job. You can take all his possessions, but you do not touch him. And later on you're right, you can touch him, but you spare his life. So Satan cannot do as he pleases, and critics cannot do as they please. And that is why David says in verse 10 and 11, he says, if he's cursing because the Lord has said to him, curse David, who then shall say, why have you done so? End of verse 11, or verse 11, let me read the whole verse. David said to Abishai and to all these servants, behold, my own son seeks my life. How much more now may this Benjaminite leave him alone? Let him curse, for the Lord has told him to. Now that doesn't mean God tempted him, or God told him, I want you to sin. That means God gives permission. God says, Satan, thus far you may go. Shimei, now Shimei didn't hear a voice, but God allows Shimei, you can do this. But I will not allow you to go further. And David understands this. So criticism is like that. That person who criticized you could not criticize you unless God allowed it. And why will God allow someone to criticize you and, be, and you be criticized so badly? Why? Because God wants to make you more like his son. Romans 8, verse 28 and 29. He works it together for good. Verse 29, what is the good? He wants to make you like Jesus. And God allows the criticism so that you will be able to help Christians in future, other believers who get criticized. So you'll be able to give them good counsel. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 4. God comforts us so that we may be able to comfort others. Why does God allow you to be criticized? Because He wants to shape your character. James 1, verse 2 to 4. When you count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds and so on. Because these things shape and form character. God allows you to be criticized to humble you. 2 Corinthians 12 verse 7. Paul says, God sent a messenger of Satan. He allowed this messenger to beat me up. To beat me up, a thorn in the flesh. So I will not become proud. I need to be humbled. And Hebrews 12 verse 11. So that you can share in God's Holiness, in verse 10, actually in verse 11, it says that we will bring forth good fruit, the fruit of righteousness. So those things are necessary. And listen, God can change the, the curse into a blessing. He did it with Israel, remember? Balaam, you remember Bileam, the only donkey? Balaam cursed Israel and God just turned, uh, he was actually hired to curse Israel and he couldn't. God turned the curse into a blessing. And he will do the same with us. Didn't Jesus die on the cross to turn a curse into a blessing? Jesus was cursed for us. He became the curse so that we can receive the blessing. By faith and repentance in turning to Christ. And even if people curse you, listen. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you belong to Jesus, people's curses and the curses of demons and devils and whoever else, 
Their curses cannot cause ultimate harm to you. Like a sparrow in its flitting, like a swallow in its flying, a curse that is causeless does not alight. So it's a foolkie wat rondvlieg en hy krij nie plek om te land nie. That's what a curse is like if you're a child of God, says Proverbs 26 verse 2. And even Balaam, when Balaam came and the king said, now curse Israel for me. Balaam said, how can I curse whom God has not cursed? If God has blessed them, how could I curse? Didn't God say to Abraham, those who curse you I will curse, those who bless you I will bless? And didn't Balaam even say there is no divination, there is no enchantment against Israel, there is no divination against Jacob? Can't come with all your sorcery and crystal balls and magic and sangomas and whatever and try to curse God's people. It will not cause ultimate harm. God will save them. God will protect them. God will help them. No weapon that is fashioned against us shall stand, says Isaiah 54, verse 17. You remember David and Goliath. So here comes Goliath. I curse you in the name of my gods. Yes, he did. Go and read 1 Samuel 17, verse 43. Goliath cursed David in the name of his own idols. And who got killed? So do not fear when people come with their criticisms and their curses and so on. And even if it does damage your reputation, the Lord will reward you. The Lord will reward you in heaven. Didn't Jesus teach us in Matthew 5, blessed are you when people curse you, when people bring all these lies and false accusations against you for the sake of Christ. The Lord will reward you. Finally, number five, be strong in the Lord. That's in verse 14. My pastor... As a kid, the one who preached here not long ago, when he was quite early in his ministry in Lutrichard, he was very discouraged one day uh, about the church, and I, I don't know exactly the detail, but I know he was very discouraged, and he phoned up his uncle, who's also a pastor, and he said, oh, I'm so discouraged. And, he un- and his uncle said, no, work, 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 and he put the phone down. <laughs> oh, and he was discouraged, and... And then he started working and it helped, you know, because work occupies your mind. You're not sitting thinking and twiddling your thumbs and just turning it over in your mind, all the difficulties and problems. Work helps. The same with criticism. It helps to be busy. Do your work and don't just don't think about what the critic said and keep on thinking about it. Now, obviously, not only work, uh, there's also a place for rest. Um, that you need to be refreshed. And we see this in verse 14. The king and all the people who were with him arrived weary at the Jordan. And there he refreshed himself. What does that mean? Well, I think he had a drink of water and they had food and maybe washed his face in the river or maybe took a bath and maybe slept a bit. Uh, Many ways of refreshing yourself. But I do think that this might even include spiritual refreshment. Uh, In 1 Samuel, you find the same thing in chapter 30, verse 6. It says, and David strengthened himself in the Lord. I'm sure that David must have prayed. I'm sure that David must have meditated and, and turned and churned in his mind the word of God. I'm sure that David maybe even wrote a psalm. Because we've got Psalm 3, and that was written when David was hunted by his son Absalom. And Psalm 142, in the Greek translation... The heading says, when he was pursued by his son, Absalom, when Absalom hunted him. So give yourself to the word of God. Brothers, sisters, give yourself to prayer in times like these. I remember 
um, a time like that in my own life. The worst and harshest criticism I ever received in my life, so far. <laughs> the Lord really encouraged me through going to the Word. Going to the Word and reading and praying over it. So do that kind of thing. It says in Psalm 109, in return for my love, uh, in return for my love, they hate me, but I give myself to prayer. Jesus, when he was criticized in Luke 6, verse 11, the next verse, Jesus gave himself to prayer. Give yourself to your Father. Give yourself to the Word of God. Princes persecute me without purpose. It says in Psalm 119, verse 60, 161. So he's persecuted, but what does he do? He meditates on God's Word. He gives himself to the Word. And above all, and I close with this, above all, remember Jesus Christ. That's actually, this is actually the passage I wanted to preach this afternoon. I thought, why didn't I think of this one? Remember Jesus Christ. Jesus, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he was cursed, when he was cursed, he did not threaten. Jesus did not turn around and said, I'm going to get you back. He did not. He was quiet as a lamb being led to the slaughter. When Charles Simeon, Charles Simeon was actually like his Lord and Master Jesus. He followed the example of Jesus. Charles Simeon was ill-treated and badly treated in his own church for 12 years. People refused to let others come to church. You know the old church pews, they had, they had doors and they were high, so you could lock them. They would lock the pews. So any visitors who came had to stand because they didn't want him as their pastor. And, and the criticism and the abuse lasted for 12 years. And then some people turned and became friends and then the trouble lasted for another 18 years. And then he had more trouble for 49 years in the ministry. He was a pastor for 54 years. But for 49 years, all this trouble and difficulty, people throwing stones through the window while he's preaching. That kind of thing. People, uh, lecturers at the university, if you go to Charles Simeon's church, then you get a fail mark on your, on your test. And so his friend, Joseph Gurney, said, how did you go through all of that? How did you handle all this criticism and trouble? And he said, my dear brother, we mustn't mind a little suffering for Christ. It's like when you get through a fence, barbed wire. And he said, when you get through a fence, if your head and shoulders are through, your body can withstand the pricks. And he said, our head, Jesus, he's gone through. So the body, we can withstand the pricks. We can deal with this patiently. And we will soon be partakers of Christ's victory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the truth of your word and for helping us. But this was fairly easy, Lord. Fairly easy to hear a sermon on this. Until tomorrow comes or Tuesday or Wednesday and we get criticized. And then it's difficult. So we pray for the help of the Holy Spirit to deal with this criticism. And Lord, actually above this, I want to pray that 
you would save the critics and you would save even those here who've now heard practical tips on dealing with criticism, but perhaps they are not saved. And what would it help to deal with criticism, but we are lost? So I pray that you would please, by your grand and great mercy, by your magnificent, marvelous, matchless love, that you would save such. In Jesus' name, Amen.